0: Well, the next Democrat debate is tonight, and the excitement is so thick you can cut it with a knife and then lie in the bathtub while you slowly bleed out and die, rather than watch the next Democrat debate. With the debate on one channel and the impeachment hearings on another, it'll almost be like switching back and forth between the International Pinochle Championship and reruns of Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. There'll be dynamic clashes, battles of ideas, wars of words, and other exciting phrases you can use to drown out the intolerable droning noise coming from your TV. Pete Buttigieg enters the debate after surging in the polls with 25 percent of Democrat primary voters saying none of these losers can beat Trump anyway, so let's check off the gay guy for a joke. Buttigieg has had trouble garnering support from black voters who suspect he may be committing sodomy, but he's tried to solve that problem with what he calls the Frederick Douglass Plan, which offers to pander to blacks with incomprehensible statements about justice while doing nothing to improve their lives. Unfortunately, in advertising the plan, Buttigieg used a picture of a Kenyan woman instead of an American. He apologized for the gaffe, saying he just found it impossible to tell those people apart. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Warren is struggling to regain her frontrunner status after she made the mistake of revealing details of her new health care plan, which would tax Americans to death so they won't need health care. Warren said she was ready for the fight because, quote, My mama and my papa taught me how our Cherokee ancestors were fired for being pregnant or some damn thing. I can't keep it all straight anymore, unquote. Bernie Sanders' strategy is to wave his hand around and promise to destroy everything until he's elected. And of course, Joe Biden plans to do his famous exploding eyeball trick. So it should be a fun night, especially if you have something else to do. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Tickety boo. Birds are winging, also singing hunky dunky doo. Ship shaped dipsy topsy, the world is zippity zing. It's a wonderful day. Hooray, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hooray,
1: hooray! Oh,
0: So here I still am in Orlando with uh, the light shining off my head. So it just sounds sends a spotlight off to Disney World. That's how they get those spotlights over Disney World. Uh, it's, I, Orlando, I have to say, really nice city. What little I've been able to see of it. But I really wished I'd had more time to walk around because the parts I did walk around were really, really nice. Had a terrific night uh, at the hosted by the College Republicans and, of course, our friends at YAF at the University of Central Florida. It was I mean, the room was packed, a standing room only and very enthusiastic reception, I have to say, which I really appreciate. And I thank the college Republicans. Um, some of these groiper folks, whatever they call them, the alt-right or the America First Nationalists showed up and, uh, you know. It's really interesting. This is this thing they're doing. You've probably heard of where they go around to conservatives and they ask questions that are supposed to throw the conservative off. Uh, They call us conservative ink and they think we're not, uh, you know, um, strict enough on immigration. So here's just a couple of observations I want to make after having gotten the chance to actually talk to a few of them. Um, To begin with, when I look at the magazines and writings of the groeper thought leaders, I mean, The thing is, these first uh, America first nationalists, they keep saying, well, we're not racist. We're not really uh, Holocaust deniers. We're not all these things. But when I look at the magazines and writings of their thought leaders, I find them filled with lunitudinous stupidity and hatred. These kind of pseudo-intellectual conspiracy theories where a Jewish person is behind every bad thing that ever happened in history. A lot of animus toward colored people, a lot of animus toward gay people. It's genuinely the stuff in their writings. It's the kind of stuff you expect to hear some schizophrenic homeless guy shouting into a broken cell phone. It's just nuts. But the people who showed up, at, at my speech anyway, were very polite, which I appreciate. And they framed their questions not in terms of uh, you know race or hating this one or hating that one. Uh, they framed it in terms of issues like immigration, genetics, free speech, and of course, how much they hate Ben. They, hate, they just hate Ben. Uh, and, and personally, you know, I found, found all the questions kind of like if they were supposed to be minefields. And again, the people themselves were being very polite and very nice. But if the questions were supposed to be some kind of minefields, You know, I found them kind of half clever, half informed. A lot of the information they had that they were absolutely sure was true was untrue. uh, And I thought it was easy to dismiss. But the thing that struck me more than anything as I was studying them and looking up uh, and, and talking to them is how much these guys are creations of the left, Okay. First of all, the creations of political correctness, which dictates what you're not allowed to think and what you're not allowed to say, namely anything that could undermine uh, the destructive leftist arguments and policies, right? So anything like that is suddenly deemed hatred, hateful or racist or sexist or whatever. And eventually, any American of spirit, especially a young man, is ultimately going to get fed up being told what he can say, especially in defense of his country. And even if the worst version of that defense is going to be given some credence by the terrible left policy sees it opposes like socialism and open borders he's going to put forward the worst possible thing you know if open borders are bad and you tell him he can't say racist stuff and he's going to say racist stuff against the open borders i'll give you an example the left says on the one hand and you can read this in the new york times the left says oh if you want to build a wall on the border it's because you hate brown people and you're a lousy racist okay that's one thing they say On the other hand, still out of The New York Times, they say, oh, look, as more brown people come in, no constitutional loving conservative will ever get elected again. Hooray. Okay. so eventually a conservative minded person, especially a young person, is going to be tempted to say, well, if I have to choose between being called a racist and losing every election from now on, I'll say the racist thing and screw you. It's the left in the censorship they use to protect their truly crappy and enslaving policies that gives hatefulness and bigotry their appeal to spirited young people. And I can see, thinking that, why someone like Michelle Malkin, who I really respect, why she made the mistake of joining in with them. It took me a while to get my head around this because I like Michelle Malkin and I've always uh, been interested in what she had to say. But I think she just saw people rebelling against—I'm putting these words in her mouth, I don't know for sure—but I think she saw people rebelling against this weight Uh, This inner prison of political correctness that the left has put on people. But, of course, it's the wrong way to go. Racism isn't going to get you anywhere. Anti-Semitism is not American. These are not American things to believe. And we on the constitutional right, we who believe in freedom and oppose the slavery of socialism and the wickedness and bigotry of identity politics... We have to be relentlessly courageous in standing up to the censors and in opposing cancel culture and all these ways of shutting people up, because if that's what's causing people on the right to drift into these hateful ideologies, we have to stand against that as well as standing against their bad ideas. We have to demonstrate that we're not going to embrace the equal and opposite evil of fascist uh, racism to oppose the oppressive evil of leftist socialism and identity politics. Not to draw the cliched comparison, but it happens to be apt in this case. In 1930s Germany, it was communism that gave Nazism its appeal, and both of them rose in opposition to one another. In the end, happily, it was freedom that defeated them both, first on the battlefield and then in the field of geopolitics. So now here we are, and these rotten philosophies are on the rise again, and again, they feed off each other, and they lend each other glamour and legitimacy. And those of us who believe in freedom, are not being asked to face bullets and battlefields this time, but we do have to speak our minds with steely integrity, cancel culture, be damned, if once again we're going to defeat them both. Which is why what happened with Chick-fil-A recently is a genuine tragedy and a mistake. A genuine tragedy and a mistake, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let us talk about something a lot happier, which is bowl and branch sheets. You know, I love these sheets because some people just find them so comfortable. They fall asleep and then they don't get to enjoy the sheets. I'm up all night and I sit there and go, wow, these are, these are lovely sheets. I kind of wish I was asleep, but at least I'm comfortable and have beautiful sheets. What makes Bolin Branch Sheets unique is that each sheet is crafted from 100% organic cotton. That means Bolin Branch Sheets not only feel incredible, they also look amazing, especially right around 3.30, 3.45 in the morning. And since Bolin Branch sells exclusively online, you don't pay that expensive retail markup. You get twice the quality for half the price. You'll love these sheets. Try them for 30 nights and see for yourself. And if you're not impressed, return them for a full refund or just give them to me. Go to bowlandbranch.com today and you'll get 50 bucks off your first set of sheets plus free shipping in the U.S. when you use the promo code CLAVEN. That's 50 bucks off plus free U.S. shipping right now at bowlandbranch.com, spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code Claven, bowlandbranch.com, promo code CLAVEN. It's ridiculous that they tell you how to spell bowl, but they don't tell you how to spell Claven
1: because <laughs> <eating 30 days. laughs>
0: that's what that is what you have to remember. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's in Claven. So you know how I'm always ranting at conservatives that the culture is more important than politics. You know, uh, Andrew Breitbart liked to say that uh, that politics is downstream from culture. And I always quote uh, the poet Shelley saying, poets are the unacknowledged legislators of the world. But the thing is, it really is true that while you're fighting over some district, some congressional district in Ohio, the culture eats away the sand beneath your feet. You know, John Adams wrote a famous letter Uh, to a guy named Hezekiah Niles in 1818. This is obviously after the revolution. And he wrote in this letter, he said, what do we mean by the American Revolution? Do we mean the American War? Because the revolution was effected before the war commenced. The revolution was in the minds and hearts of the people, a change in their religious sentiments of their duties and obligations. And that's why these little things, these little things, as the old song says, these little things mean a lot. This is why I gave Trump so much support when he was attacking Colin Kaepernick and the other football players who were kneeling before the flag. And now we know how, you know, uh, hypocritical they were because they don't stand up to the Chinese, but they stand up in America or kneel in America where they know there's no consequences. But Trump was right. It was right to come out and say, no, that's not patriotic. If you did that on my team, I would fire you. That was the right thing to do. And it's the right thing to do to stand up for saying Merry Christmas. And the left, it makes it easy for the left to tease us. Oh, it's a Christmas war. How many people died in the Christmas war? All that stuff—it's it, easy to tease people over these little things. But these little things are the grains of sand that get eaten away over time. So that pretty soon you look around and your uh, Christian heritage is gone. You look around and uh, patriotism and lack of patriotism have become un- acceptable when they shouldn't be acceptable in a country like this. This is a great country. You should have a natural love of country. But this country deserves a higher level of patriotism than that natural love because there's no other country like it. And that's why this thing with Chick Fil A. Is such a bad thing, right? I mean, Chick Fil A. uh, I know again. I know in some ways it's petty, but Chick Fil A is now I think the third largest uh, food fast food chain in America. I'm not a big fast food fan, but I've eaten Chick Fil A. It's very good, you know, chicken sandwiches. They stood up. Their their CEO Dan Cathy stood up against gay marriage. And you know, this is not an issue that really bothers me one way or the other. But he basically said, "We are Christian people. uh, We're a family business." and we wanna support the traditional family. This is way back in uh, 2012. Here's here's Dan Cathy talking about it. Chick-fil-A's focused on families. We've always, always been that way. We're a family-owned business. We're led by family, and our restaurants are operated by families, and we serve millions of families every week at Chick-fil-A, so we're focused on the family. Families are very important to our country. They're very important, I think, to all of us that are concerned about being able to hang on to the heritage that we have, and uh, we support biblical families who've always been a part of that. So you know he opposed gay marriage and he opposed uh I think it was proposition he opposed gay marriage in California too I think but he he gave money he supported uh he supported groups that opposed gay marriage and the LGBTQ community which doesn't exist it's just a bunch of activists they went after Chick-fil-A and Chick-fil-A became an obsession with them it became a target target with them uh 3 US airports just this year denied uh, Chick-fil-A concessions in the airport. Um, the uh, the first Chick-fil-A in Britain was about to open when local activists closed that one down. So everywhere they went, they were being hounded by these LGBT people and being called uh, bigots and all this, which by the way, they weren't. I mean, Dan Cathy said, look, I'm a Bible believing Christian. I believe that God instituted marriage. I believe that God defines what marriage is but I'm happy to reach out to gay people and obviously they were never denied service uh the place is one of the most friendly uh, fast food restaurants it's famous for its friendly uh, fast food restaurant okay so they they wouldn't back down they refused to back down to the bullying seven years go by and it becomes more successful than ever they are just hugely hugely expanding uh Over time, In fact, uh, in, in, what's his name, in Kanye West's new album, he has a lyric closed on Sundays, you're my Chick-fil-A in in Jesus is King, right? So they became a sort of symbol that you could stand up to bullying, cancel culture and win. You could stand up and thrive. In fact, with other things falling apart, like Charlie's Angels bombing because it just lectures you on feminism, you know, the saying, uh, go woke, go broke has gone around while Chick-fil-A has thrived, standing up to people seven years on, they collapse. Chick-fil-A collapses. They decide they're no longer the the, they give money to charity. They make a lot of money. They give money to charity and they were attacked by LGBTQ activists. And I just hate this because, like I said, lesbian and gay people don't even like each other and neither of them like transgender people. So this is a completely, this coalition is a completely made up thing of radicals. It's just leftist radicals. When Peter Thiel came out and made a speech in favor of Trump, the gay magazine, I think it was the advocate said, well, he's not gay. He just sleeps with men. So being gay in identity politics means being a leftist. And all those gay people that I know, So many of whom I know that are conservatives, they don't exist, they're not gay, they don't count. So this is that lying identity politics, which is just leftism in disguise, it's doing nothing for gay people, it's doing nothing for anybody except leftism, except more government, right? And the people that they were really angry about were the Salvation Army and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so Chick-fil-A put out an announcement saying, staying true to its mission of nourishing the potential in every child, the Chick-fil-A Foundation will deepen its giving to a smaller number of organizations working exclusively in the areas of education, homelessness and hunger. And they dumped the Salvation Army and they dumped the uh the Christian Athlete well, athletes one uh, a business publication called BizNow reported uh that they felt in that the Company's leadership felt a new message was needed, especially in foreign markets, where the most prominent brand exposure to Chick-fil-A are headlines about its support for organizations with anti-LGBT stances. Now, in Europe, you think political correctness is bad here. In Europe, it has advanced. The patient is ba- basically dead. The cancer of political correctness has advanced so far. Um, I mean, I've told you stories about publishing over there and how they want to cut out biblical references and all this. So it's really bad over there. So they wanted that market and they dumped the Salvation Army. Now, listen, I used to volunteer for um, the United Way, I think it was, yes. And uh, one of our jobs was to go out and examine different charities and learn about different charities so we could direct money to the right place. And one of those charities was the Salvation Army. This is a great place. The Salvation Army uh, helps people uh, who are just at the end of of their rope. I mean, it helps people who have run out their string, sometimes because of alcohol abuse, sometimes because of drug abuse, they're on the street, they got nowhere to go, the Salvation Army, Picks them up, and recently there was a pop star Ellie Goulding. I don't Goulding. I don't even know who she was. Who was pressured by the LGBTQ activists uh, to get out of the halftime show because uh, because the Salvation Army uh, gave a what was what was it? They demanded the Salvation Army give a large donation um, in to LGBTQ communities. And the Salvation Army put out a statement saying, you know, we we take care of all these people, these homeless people, 40 percent, 40 percent of homeless youth uh, identify as gay or transgender. So when I tell you why I don't want you to kick gay people out of your church, that's why, because sometimes these kids get kicked out of home, uh, their homes. They got nowhere to go. They wind up on the street. Okay. So this, these are the people the Salvation Army chooses. They just believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. That's what they believe. That's what I, I, In in terms of God's mind, I think in God's mind, that is what marriage is. I don't necessarily think that we, live, we don't live in a theocracy. I don't think the law necessarily has to echo that. But I, you know, I believe that too, as much as I want gay people to have um, to have committed loving relationships and be able to have that and be protected by law. So of course they they cave in and you guess you can guess the sequel. It's not enough, right? Glad uh, Drew Anderson, Glad's director of campaigns, uh, sent out a statement saying, well, in addition to refraining from financially supporting anti-LGBTQ organizations like Salvation Army, Chick-fil-A still lacks policies to ensure safe workplaces for LGBTQ employees and should unequivocally out against the anti-LGBTQ reputation that their brand represents, which, by the way, they have done. So that's that's ridiculous. But of course, it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough until every chicken is gay, until every chicken sandwich is made by a gay person and the chickens themselves are transgender. I mean, that's really where it's going to go. And the reason this is so important, okay, is Again, this is not an issue that means that much to me. This is an issue I think we can survive. I think we can survive tolerating gay people and tolerating their relationships and even blessing their relationships so that they don't have to go into bathhouses and catch diseases at the very least and so that their lives can be fulfilling like your life, you know? I mean these are things, these are things that are fine with me still, still the right to believe what you believe, the right to represent those beliefs in your charitable giving, the right not to be bullied and this and the inspiration Chick-fil-A gave people by not being bullied. All of that, all of that is lost. And when I talked and when I talk about people on the right becoming hateful, becoming openly hateful, becoming openly bigoted. What do you think the reaction is going to be when you look, when somebody like me is saying, hey, you know, a lot of nice gay people out there, leave them alone, let them have their relationships, stop bugging them all the time. When the guys who make it into the paper are these bullying homofascists who shut down businesses, who tell you that if you were a Christian business, they're going to hunt you down year after year after year to seven years of absolute activism, a bullying fascist activism that they push these people in. Eventually, eventually people on the right are going to go, you know what? I hate gays too. You know what? These guys are doing the bad thing. Everything that the anti-gay people said about them uh, is turning out to be true. And and it's very hard to defend. It is very hard to defend because a lot of people don't know. You know, they don't work in the arts like I do. They haven't known as many gay people, people as I do. When the when Chick-fil-A caves in for the almighty dollar and that's what it's about, you know. And listen, I want them to make a have a business. I want them to make a profit. But obviously their beliefs come first, their integrity comes first, a corporation is a citizen like other citizens, they have to be able to stand for what they believe. And this this is why the left creates the hate on the right. And I know it it is not, we can't go over to that hate, we can't uh, grab hold of that hate, but at the same time, at the same time, those of us who can have to stand up to this cancel culture because it is incredibly destructive. And this is where the revolution takes place. It's just like John Adams said. This is where the revolution takes place. It's not in the big fights that come eventually. It's in the little fights that come every day. All right. Speaking of the little fights and meaningless, stupid fights that come every day, let's take a quick look at the impeachment uh, news. uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do this second. Ad, I forgot all about it. it uh, we have to talk about uh, so clean, you know, nearly 1 billion people are affected by sleep apnea around the world. And I know people who have this and you have to have this machine uh, that uh, helps you breathe while you sleep. But negative health issues can arise when CPAP equipment is not cleaned properly. You want safe an effective automated sanitizing solution. SoClean is the world's first automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. SoClean kills up to 99.9% of all CPAP germs and bacteria that can build up in your mask, hose, and reservoir. It's easy to use. Put the mask in, close the lid, and walk away. It works with all popular CPAP machines and masks. SoClean uses advanced, technology to sanitize your CPAP equipment with just the touch of a button. And right now, for listeners, you can try SoClean risk-free for 30 nights. Even shipping is free. Don't wait. Go to SoClean.com to take advantage of this 30-night risk-free trial and free shipping. Again, that's SoClean.com. Go to SoClean.com. All right. Um, the impeachment. Uh, you know, this thing, I, I personally think this this thing is really bad for Democrats. I'll I'll tell you why. Three reasons. Three reasons. I mean, they're they're still selling this like it's explosive, destructive. The walls are closing in. It's the beginning of the end. Meanwhile, the support for impeachment among independents, the only people likely to be convinced, has dropped 10 percent. And on the Republican side, the attitude has hardened so that Republicans now say, we don't care what he did. He's not getting impeached. Forget it. You know, they're just forget about it. They don't care. Quid pro quo doesn't matter. They just don't care. So today, uh, what's his name? Gordon Sundland. Um, he's their big bombshell guy, and he gets up and he says, "Well, I thought it was a quid pro quo." He talks about Rudy. You know, they say you know the whole routine by now. He talks about the fact that uh, Rudy Giuliani was going around saying he wanted the 2016 election investigated, perfectly fair, by the way, uh, or he was going to delay a meeting, and he wanted. Um, and he wanted Biden's uh, dealings with Burisma, the gas company. He wanted that investigated, but he wasn't holding back aid. He was talking about uh, holding back a meeting. So Sondland comes in and he says, they ask him, it's the same old thing. Did you get, did Trump himself say that he wanted this? And this is what he says.
1: President Trump never told me directly that the aid was conditioned on the meetings. The only thing we got directly from Giuliani was that the Burisma in 2016 elections were conditioned on the White House meeting. The aid was my own personal, uh, you know, guess, based, again, on your analogy, two plus two equals four. So you didn't talk to President Trump when Ambassador Taylor says that that's what you told him? Is that your testimony here? My testimony is I never heard from President Trump That aid was conditioned on an announcement of elections. So you never heard those specific words. Correct. Right. But never heard those words.
0: Okay, so that's everybody, right? That's the guy yesterday, the lieutenant colonel, uh, Alex Vinland. um, Alex, um, I forgot his name. Vinman, that's it. Um, he, he's, you know, he said the same thing. It was a feeling he had. He felt this was going this way. But then finally, Sundland said, with Adam Schiff questioning him, that he did finally call up Trump because he was getting all these mixed messages. He was getting all this stuff from Giuliani. And he finally called up Trump and said, What do you want? Here's that clip.
1: I believe I just asked him an open ended question, Mr. Chairman. What do you want from Ukraine? I keep hearing all these different ideas and theories and this and that. What do you want? And it was a very short, abrupt conversation. He was not in a good mood. And he just said, I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. Something to that effect.
0: (laughs) So all this, I mean, it's it's amazing to me. All this explosive testimony comes down to that. In fact, there was one exchange with Kurt Volker, who was a Republican witness. Uh, Michael Turner was interviewing him. Have you got that clip?
2: The only thing that matters besides all these people talking to each other and all their feelings and all of their their thoughts and understandings, it really only comes down to what did the President of the United States intend and what did he say and what did the Ukrainians understand or hear? Ambassador Volker, you're one of the first people that we've had in these open public testimony that's had conversations with both. So I get to ask you, You had a meeting with the President of the United States, and you believe that the policy issues that he raised concerning Ukraine were valid, correct? Yes. Did the President of the United States ever say to you (coughs) that he was not going to allow aid, The United States to go to the Ukraine unless there were investigations into Burisma, the Bidens, or the 2016 elections? No, he did not. Did the Ukrainians ever tell you that they understood that they would not get a meeting with the President of the United States, a phone call with the President of the United States, military aid, or foreign aid from the United States unless they undertook investigations of Burisma? the Bidens of the 2016 elections. No, they did not. You know, pretty much, Ambassador Volker, you just like took apart their entire case.
0: You know, it's true. It's true. What you've got is Rudy Giuliani going around, opening his big mouth, Trump with his big mouth. You know, we all, we all get this. That Trump is not a politician. We all get that he doesn't do things the way everybody wants him to do them. But at the same time, but at the same time, we, we've heard it all already. Nobody cares. So this is the one way that it is um, that, that it's bad for the Democrats. And especially that idea that he called Trump and Trump said, no quid pro quo, no quid pro quo, just tell him to do the right thing. We all know how Trump talks. I mean, they're not telling us anything. You take they're a selling look at us- that call, it was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect, it, exactly. I, I don't know, I just, I hear this voice in my head telling me it's perfect over and over again. The second way that I think is bad for them is, is this. Jim Jordan uh, is asking Vindman about his concerns, right? And uh, and the lawyer he, he he says to him. He he says you told two people about this, right? And he says he names one person. He says who's the other person? And Jordan and uh, Vindman's lawyer interrupts. So here's this cut.
1: I only read out outside of the N.S.C. two individuals. Two individuals. Das Kent and one other in, uh, person.
2: And you're not willing to tell us who that other individual is, Mr. Chairman. Point of order,
1: Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, point of order. The gentleman suspend counsel.
0: Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, I would ask you Lock. to enforce the, uh, the rule Lock. with regard to the disclosure, with regard to the uh, intelligence
2: office. Uh, thank you, Council. You know, as I indicated before, this committee will not be used to out the whistleblower. Um, that same uh, Mr. Chairman, get, necessity just, of protecting the, the, so the will time. persist. Uh, you are recognized again, Mr. Jordan. Mr. Chairman, I, I don't see how this is outing the whistleblower. The the witness has testified in his deposition that he doesn't know who the whistleblower is. You have said, even though no one believes you, you have said you don't know who the whistleblower is. So, how is this outing the whistleblower to to find out who this individual is? Jordan, uh, this is your time for questioning. You can use it any way you like, but your question should be addressed to the witness. I'd like
1: to.
0: (laughs) So, And there's the whistleblower himself. So they don't want to name the whistleblower. This guy says, I told two people, I don't know who the whistleblower is. I told two people, Jordan says, name the other person. He says, you can't name it because that's outing the whistleblower. But if he doesn't know who the whistleblower is, how could the other person he told be the whistleblower? So they're both lying. This is the other reason, the second reason why this is bad for the Democrats. Schiff is a greasy, nasty, smug, dishonest little man. And it comes across that I'm way. I'm Donald he comes Trump across that I way. approve this <laughs> message. <laughs> I'll bet you do. And it, he comes across that way. And I think that that is sinking the Democrats all along the way. And I think it's going to be, I personally, the elections are far off. Poli- you know, a, 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 they say a year is a long time in politics. A week is a long long time in politics, <clears throat> you know, the, the elections are far off. But I don't see how this doesn't make the Democrats look as bad as they can possibly look. And the third and final way I think this is really bad for the Democrats is this. Here's Nora O'Donnell reporting the news uh, yesterday in her usual biased, incredibly dishonest way. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us. The most damaging testimony during a day of impeachment hearings came from a decorated combat veteran wearing a chest full of service medals and a purple heart. Army Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman told Congress he was alarmed by the president's July phone call with the leader of Ukraine, saying it was improper and inappropriate that Mr. Trump would ask a foreign leader to investigate a political opponent and that it could undermine U.S. national security. All three of the witnesses today who worked in the White House and were on that call said the president's words were unusual and raised concerns.
1: Yeah, that was one of the great performances I've ever seen in my life.
0: This <laughs> it's, it's this deep state credentialism. From the press. This idea, oh, he's wearing that uniform. He has gray hair. He looks so nice. This, these are uh, long-time, lifetime service people, the bureaucrats. They are defending your constitution. They're not mentioned in the constitution. If you'd like them to stop doing what they're doing, you have no recourse because they're not mentioned in the constitution because they're not elected. But it's the press again and again telling you that you should thank your lucky stars that this dishonest Democrat press and these credentialed bureaucrats who had no business Business making foreign policy—that they are saving your Constitution for you—it makes no sense. It's offensive. It basically is telling you you are less than these people. You you have to look up to and respect these people. It's un-American. It, I think it's going to really hurt the Democrat Democrats. I really do. And, and look, I can't I can't foretell the future. I can't tell how many people are taken in by this. I I do know that the feeling we're getting from the things people are saying is panic on the left, increasing panic on the left. When was the last time you heard from a leftist, a left-wing Democrat candidate? And when when all of this has sucked the air out of the room, they're not getting any press at all, which may be good for them since they're so bad, but they're going to be debating, debating tonight. You'll see them again and remember what a bunch of losers they are. It does not seem to me that this is a winning move. Uh, From the very first I have said, this struck me as a wily Coyote move, That's what it looks like to me still. I hope it is because they deserve it. Hey, if you have not been listening to my incredible, brilliant fantasy podcast, Another Kingdom, then you need to go to dailywire.com and subscribe right now and catch up. It is one of the greatest books ever written, and I know because I wrote it, and it's going to change your life definitely for the better. On Monday, November 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern, that's this Monday, is it? Yeah, this Monday. 4 p.m. Pacific, Michael Knowles, the reader and star of Another Kingdom, and I will be sitting down together to discuss this final season. We'll take subscriber questions live from the fans, and this live event will be free for everyone to watch on Facebook and YouTube. But only subscribers will be able to ask the questions at dailywire.com. Plus, subscribers exclusively can watch the entirety of the series. Or you can listen free to the newest seasons on Apple Podcasts. Go check it out and don't miss the Another Kingdom live discussion happening Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to have the mailbag. So hold yes! on to your problems. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> hold on to your problems because they're about to be solved. <laughs> mailbag. Yes! Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. All right. From Luke. Uh, Do you ever remember a time when our country has was as politically divided as we are today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the 60s, the country was much worse than it is today. People were being shot. The president was shot. Uh, the, the Democrat uh, candidate for president, Bobby Kennedy, was shot. The biggest um, Uh, Civil rights leader Martin Luther King was shot and killed. Another one, Malcolm X, shot and killed. Riots every day on on, uh, college campuses. People caving in just like they're caving in now. What is different now? What is different now is the radicalization of the mainstream left. That is very different. And it's it's dangerous. It's really a bad thing. The fact that the left is now openly socialist, the fact that the left is now openly telling you that the Constitution doesn't matter, kiss the feet of the deep state, all that stuff, and that the press is now so corrupt... You know, in the in the old days, the press was left wing, but there were more right wingers. There were only like three networks and there were right wingers uh, on TV. And there was a conservative perspective that you could get on TV. They were still in the minority. But the left was simply not as far left as it is today. This left, this leftism, this woke leftism, which is just racism personified, is is really a disaster. And it is it has permeated. It's got they have moved their uh, there are people so far up into our institutions that it has taken over the mainstream. That's the big difference. The big difference is before it was basically the middle fighting the left on campuses and, uh, you know, in protests and all this. And now it is, it is truly, uh, uh, us, the revolutionary right, uh, that is fighting the power. The power is all on the left. They own the news media, they own the corporations, they own social media, they own Hollywood, they own, uh, whole patches of the deep state. Uh, this is a genuine fight we're in, and it is really going to be a tough one. Uh, but but the divisions among people, the divisions among people are not as bad, really, as they, they were back then. So it's different. You know, everything is different. It's hard to um, it's hard to compare. But that's that's the way it seems to me. Um, This is a letter from one of these Kruper people that I was talking about. Uh, So he's going to say things that may be uh, uh, offensive. Trigger warning. I I give you a trigger warning. He calls himself Disembarrated Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. And it's written in this very uh, sarcastic tone. Just so I'm clear on the new rules. Preventing new Democrats from flooding the country and inevitably voting away my constitutional rights engaging in self-defense against fascists, questioning the motives of the followers of the Talmud who hate Christ and perpetrated the Levon affair geez, and sank the USS Liberty. These are things that Israel did back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, or questioning the exact method of execution or overall numbers of the Holocaust. Or discouraging sodomy and encouraging marriage between a man and a woman as Jesus explicitly stated, although you're going to have to find that verse for me, will all get me banned and shunned from conservatism. On the contrary, you welcome those slightly misguided people on the left who hate God, murder babies, promote sodomy and pedophilia, are openly communist, hate America, and want to redefine our nation out of existence or completely take it over and destroy it from within. Also, we all know you defended the narrative that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself, so hopefully you're having fun— A fun time pretending to be countercultural now that it's safe. All right, we'll continue speaking truth. We'll continue speaking truth out here on the Christian Fringe with no support from any of you bus-driving blasphemers, including the truth that Weinstein, Epstein, Lauer, Allen, and all the other Hollywood pedophile types happen to be Jews. Don't hate the messengers. Please correct the mistakes I've made. And by the way, I can't stand Fuentes, this guy Nick Fuentes, but your episode... About him was embarrassingly hypocritical. There's no way around it. Wow, wow. Well, look. I don't know if I have time to go through all of this, but the only thing I will grant you is that when Jeffrey Epstein uh, first uh, died and the coroner said this was suicide, uh, I said, "Gee, that's uh, that. We're going to have to go with that for now." And as more facts have come in, and I've become more, more and more suspicious. So I'll give you that one. Um, it, nobody is in favor of uh, illegal immigrant. Nobody on the right is in favor of illegal immigrants flooding the country. So that just is, is wrong. I mean, we're all in favor of tighter rules, tighter security. Uh, what I'm, what I am against, what I am against, is demographic fatalism. I'm against the idea that new kinds of people coming in cannot be assimilated into the American system. That's absurd. It's it's what people have said every single time and every single time they have been assimilated in. We need stronger assimilation tactics. We need stronger assimilation rules. And we need to vet our, veteran, uh, our veterans or vet our immigrants so that we know who's coming in, and they want to be here, and they want to be American. I don't, like I said, I don't care what color they are, as long as they're what color an American is, as long as he's American. Uh, so engaging in self-defense against fascists, I guess, is street brawling. I don't think that's going to get you anywhere. Questioning the motives of the followers of the Talmud who hate Christ, so they don't like Jews. Good for you. You know, well, I'll, I'll go on and on. You know, the Levant affair in the U.S. is liberty. If that's what's keeping you up at night, you have a pretty good life. Questioning the exact method of execution of overall numbers of the Holocaust. That's just a sickness. It's one of the most completely documented events in human history, Uh, certainly uh, probably the most documented event before the invention of uh, the Internet. Many people were there. Many soldiers witnessed it. Many people s- survived it. Many of the people who performed it testified uh, that you have some idea, that you have some secret knowledge, uh, is an illness on your part. That's just that's just all it is. It's just an an erotic illness. Uh, the scourging, sodomy. You don't like gay people. Okay, fine. So and listen, I, I actually have no problem with people who have philosophically feel homosexuality is immoral. I have absolutely no problem with that. Many of my friends feel that way. That's not the problem. The problem is people who hate. Uh, other people for the way they are. Um, and I welcome them, blah, 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 blah. You know, here's what I want to say about this. Okay. I, I could go on and on with this. It's all ridiculous, but, but here's what I want to say about it. Read it yourself. Listen to how angry you are. Listen to the rage and hate that consumes you. Look at what you've become. Look at what this has turned you into. I mean, this is not what Christ wants for you, buddy. When they talk about, you guys keep talking about Christianity. You remember the rule, love God, love your neighbor? Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan, which is a story about race relations? Because the Jews and the Samaritans didn't like each other. And what Christ said is, who is better for you? The Jewish priest who passes by on the street or the Samaritan who stops and helps you? He was telling you. And then he says, who is that man's neighbor? It's the Samaritan. And then he says, be like the Samaritan, be every man's neighbor right? That was what Jesus had to say about racism. And you sit around and call yourself a Christian because you hate sodomy. Let me ask you something else about this whole gay thing. You know, this is the thing that really gets me about it. And again, I have no problem with the traditional Christian beliefs. I I respect them. I disagree with them and I disagree with them on scriptural grounds, but I have no no problem with it. But here here is my problem. Are you aware that straight people Get up to some pretty funky shenanigans in the bedroom right they dress up as furry animals and they wear diapers and they spank each other with ping pong paddles and that's just at my house okay <laughs> because around the country people do crazy things so are we going to go from window to window peeking in in each bedroom window and making sure that everybody is having sex in exactly the way that we think is right Or are we going to leave people alone because we know that sexuality is disordered? We know we're fallen people and we need compassion for one another and we need to pray for one another and hope people can find love in whatever disorder is in their life. Or is it just the gay people we're going to hunt down? Is it just the gay people we're going to, you know, uh, uh, persecute? You know, I mean, this is the thing. It's not, it's not, I don't hate you, buddy. It's it's not about that. It's just about the fact that I think you are going down a, a, Terrible road to a very unhappy place, and all you have to do is read your own damn letter to hear how angry and venomous you are, how full of rage you are. You know, and you're worried about you're worried about things that happened in Israel in 1967, a ship that was sunk by accident in 1967, and that's what keeps you up at night. Why don't you worry about the the British burning the White House or the Germans sinking the you know the Lusitania or whatever? You know, I mean, what why aren't you worried about all those things? What is this hatred for the Jews? I mean, you name you name some. Jewish people who did some bad things. I didn't hear you name any Jewish people who did good things, like the ones who won all the Nobel prizes for science, the one who cures diseases. I mean, are you happy not having polio? Are you happy being able to walk walk around because a Jewish guy cured polio? I mean, all this bigotry only works because you discount the evil things that other people did. Every race has evil people. Every race has good people. All I'm going to tell you, pal, is like I, I know, I know that hatred like this makes you feel strong. I know that it makes you feel like a big guy. I know that it makes you feel like you're in a group of people who are smarter than everybody else and are in on the secret. And we're the Christians. We're the last Christians on earth. And you're afraid. You're afraid to let it go. I know know somewhere in your mind, you know this. Somewhere in in your mind, you know this philosophy has twisted you into something small and dark. I know you know this somewhere in your mind. Let it go go home, go back to God. I'm telling you, he will put everything aside to come running down the road to meet you. He will put the sun and the stars aside to come running down the road to meet you in love. If you just turn down off this road, because listen to yourself, reread your own damn letter. Look what you've become. Sorry, I've I've gone on too long and now I don't have time to do all these other, uh, all these other letters, but from, uh, Shalom, big fan of yours. Uh, read most of your books. I heard your interview with Shapiro on a Sunday special, and I keep being amazed that every time you and Shapiro <laughs> discuss movies, you never mention Ben Hur. I'm surprised that as Christians and Jews, believing in human emotions like rage, revenge, and forgiveness, you didn't like it or it's not in your top five. What's your take on it? I love it. I love Ben Hur. And you know, when you're talking about these things, it's always hard. Whenever anybody says, "What's your favorite movie?", all the movies go out of my head. But Ben Hur is a great movie. I mean, it is the original, one, of course, with Charlton Heston. Uh, it's one of those movies like The Godfather that, if I'm channeling surfing and if I hit it two hours of my life just disappear because I can't turn it off it is a terrific terrific movie and you're right it's got all kinds of uh, great themes in it and the way it handles the crisis is just brilliant um, for mr. Cleveland I'm 26 years old I've been married for five years and been seeing my wife who is the only one woman I've been with and have a child with. Once a week, I go out with a group of five to 10 coworkers to unwind from the stress of our job working in a prison. I found myself growing attached to a female officer who I happen to find very attractive. She's kind of flirtatious, she has a great personality. I'm worried if I continued going to our weekly get together between alcohol and my already strong feeling, I would ruin my marriage and lose my son. I don't wanna stop going out because it helps me to talk about our week to people that understand the pressures of the job, but I find myself connecting with this officer more than my own wife. Yeah. Okay. This is easy. This is, look, the answer The answer is simple, but not easy, right? You got to stop. You got to stop going out with this girl. Uh, you got to put that energy that you're using with that girl to talk to that to the, your fellow guard. Put that energy into talking to your wife, into reestablishing connection with your wife, into sharing some of the things you're sharing with this other woman with your wife. If you've got to talk her through it, talk her through it. If you've got to get help for it, get help for it. Do not lose your marriage, and especially do not let your son, do not let your son lose the planet he lives on, which is your relationship with your wife. That's the planet he lives on. You lose that, you blow up his planet, okay? He will never get over it, not ever, ever, okay? So you've got to stop. You've got to stop going. Now, you, your job as a prison guard, that's a very pressure, high pressure job. So go get together with the guys. You know just get together with the guys and and talk to them but meanwhile take the energy that you've put into this relationship with this girl and pour it into your relationship with your wife and re-establish that connection because you have to because you have to you have to give your child the planet he lives on and you have to keep it together and it's not worth it is not worth what you're thinking nothing's going to be better nothing's going to be, get better it's just going to be utter utter destruction so go out with the guys have a cigar have a drink Go home to your wife and talk to her and reestablish that connection. I got to stop. I'm sorry I went off so long on that one guy, but I just, it's just, it pains me. It pains me. He's probably, that's probably a young guy. And it pains me, truly, it breaks my heart to see somebody wasting his life. And that's what it does. It just eats your life away uh, on, on that hatred and that anger and that rage. It isn't necessary. You don't have to do it. God doesn't want you to do it. He's waiting for you to come home. I'm going to end with that. I'll be back in the studio tomorrow. I'm Andrew Klavan. This is The Andrew Klavan Show. Jonathan Hay. And our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2019. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, but you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show, where you'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.